Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. This series that we've been in in Colossians um, has been a real delight for me just in study time. And hopefully it's been a delight for you and you, you've learned a lot. But this is just one of those books that I've, I've revisited. I don't know if, how many of you were here or remember uh, when we did a Colossians series years and years ago, I think we were still Cornerstone Worship Center, called The Book of the King. And, and Dad and I, we, uh, we tag-teamed that series. Anybody remember that? Yeah, One. Jason! Somebody get that man a gold star. Um, and, and, and now coming back and looking at it in depth again like that, uh, it's extraordinary to me how the Lord continues to open up new things from the Word of God. I'm grateful to God for that um, because as a preacher, um, you kind of just have to... There, there are certain subjects that you're going to be covering. As Pastor Terry Sparks told me years ago, he said, what you got to learn is how to repackage them and deliver them again in a new way if you're going to pastor for any length of time. <laughs> and I found that to be true. But I also found that just digging down deep in those scriptures and, and just giving attention to them in time, there's so much, so much wealth. You think about the millions and millions and billions of sermons who, that have been preached since we were preaching and how new things are continually being revealed from this living word. And so I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to, to be in this series with you and to, I have some good things to share with you tonight. Um, so let's get into it. Are you all right? You good? Let's do that. Colossians chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 14. The church got struck by lightning and burned to the ground. And the insurance agency, unfortunately, had a clause in there called Acts of God, where they wouldn't be responsible for any act of God, and so they deemed lightning to be an act of God. So the pastor had to take upon himself to go visit some of the members of the congregation to collect some money to build a new building. And as he's making his rounds, he come, gets over to uh, Farmer Brown's house and explains the situation to him and what the insurance clause was. And Farmer says, uh, Pastor, I don't think I'm going to do that. He said, I I'm not going to give money to someone who's burned their own house down. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Remember the word wiped, wiped out means blotted out, which was contrary to us. And we've gone in, in depth into the law, not us as Gentiles. Our reality is not no longer under the law, but we were never under the law. It was, this was for the, the nation of Israel, which was contrary to us. It, it was a wall between us, but thank God Jesus came and broke down that middle wall of separation. And there is now... Uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, hmm? male nor female. Now, that, we're talking in the spirit. There are distinctions in the flesh, all right? We have to remember that because they're trying to erase all those distinctions. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Thank you, Lord, for that. But I, want, I need to go and finish on what we left off of concerning the righteousness which comes from the law. 
And just so you understand what you have been completely freed from and so that you never be tempted, and you might be tempted, you never give in to the temptation of going under the law that was never designed for you. Because going under the law is going under bondage. And it can be very enticing. It really can be very enticing. Luke chapter 18, let's turn there. Luke chapter 18. And we'll begin reading in verse 9. Also, he, this is Jesus, spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Everybody say, dun, dun, dun. That's that's not good. Speaking to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. How did they do that? Because they kept the law. They were sold out to the dictates of the law and despised others. This is the problem because that's that's what you get. They're trusting in themselves that they're righteous and therefore despising others. Verse 10, so here's the parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Where did they go? They went to church. A Pharisee and an IRS agent. We need IRS agents in church. (laughs) Amen. The Pharisee stood, now look, look the way this is worded. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. So you see his position in prayer. He's praying thus with himself, God, so who's he calling God? Oh. Well, I, I have to use the Pharisee accent. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Think about this. I'm not like other men. See, this is one of the characteristics of somebody who is fully self-righteous. Self-exclusion. Self-exclusion, I'm not like other men. Thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. What a way to start a prayer. Think about it. This, this is a son of Adam, born in sin, blinded by the devil, and he's doing exactly what his father Adam did. He presents himself to God, not on the basis of gratitude, which is true humility, but on the basis of his own doing. Thank you that I'm not like other men. It's much easier to look at yourself less unrealistically, though, and more forgivingly than you look at others. No amens. Okay. I, the temptation, and the temptation, my family, is to exclude yourself from others through drawing these comparisons through a devilish game of sizing each other up. Remember that you are all members of one body. Hmm? Come on, look at the person next to you. They're members too. We're all members of one body. Not one is more important than the other. We cannot do this without each other. Amen? Self-exclusion. This is is one of the the, the traits of somebody who is self-righteous. And look at verse 11. And then he starts saying who he's not like. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Wow. Now he's taking it upon himself to do some self-selection. That is, I'm going to select who I'm better. 
I'm going to exclude myself from saying, uh, talking about the guys I know that do it better than I do. But I'm going to, isn't this, isn't this convenient for this guy? I mean, come on, we've all, though, we've all, though, maybe hinted in this area, hint, hinted toward this. I mean, I, I'm bad, but I, I ain't that bad. I ain't as bad as Heather. I mean, that's not the one to be comparing to. Jeremiah, I meant to say Jeremiah. You know, selecting who you know that you're living better than. Hmm? This is, this is self-righteousness. This is all this is. This does nothing for you, and it certainly doesn't impress God whatsoever. As the Scripture says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Then look what he says. We're just looking at what self-righteousness produces. It's, it's ugly. It's, it's demonic. And then he says, I fast twice a week. Hey, I got him beat. I fast all night every night. All night long. And I break that fast with breakfast. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Well, that's good. What's he doing now? Self-worth. This is why I'm worthy. This is what separates me from them. I fast and I tithe. Okay. Well, Pharisee, your worth to God is not made up of how often you pray. And Jesus said the Pharisees pray a lot. He said, and they use these vain repetitions. He said, don't pray like them. They think that they'll be heard by their many words. How many of you have ever been caught up in that, though? Oh, I need to pray more. I need to pray more. Well, you might need to, but be careful about why you're saying that. Hmm? Because you already have, as Brian said, you already are the object of his affection. Didn't he prove that when he gave you Jesus? He's not going to love you anymore if you pray more. He's not going to pay more attention to you if you pray more. But you might pay more attention to him if you pray more. <laughs> God, God's the one who established what we are worth. The value of something is determined by what someone is worth, what someone is willing to pay for it. And God showed you what you were worth. You're worth the death of his son. It's extraordinary. That's the price that he put on you. It's going to take my own son to die. That's a high price. That means you are of high value to God. Lord, we're not worthy. Yes, you are. I died for you. He's not going to agree with that. Hmm? Your value is not based on your merits, but on you being sons of God. Notice that Paul was speaking of the law as being, the law as being against us and contrary to us. This is radically different than what many Christians think. Uh, they embrace the Old Testament law as something that God gave us for our benefit to help direct us toward right standing uh, with God. But that's just not the case. Let's look at Romans 3.20 for a moment. Is it okay if we dig through the Bible a little bit? That's what we do on Wednesday nights. Learn it. 
Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh... Does that, mean, does that include your flesh? Okay. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified or made right or declared innocent in His sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Oh, so the law was given to show us our sin, not our Savior. It could show us... It could diagnose us with this sin disease, but it could not do anything to cure us. The law was condemning, and it empowered, if you will, sin. Matter of fact, it does. Look at, let's look at Romans 7 now. Romans 7, verse 7. What shall we say then, Paul says, is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law said... You shall not covet. How many of you know what I'm talking about when you see, I, I, I think I've told you this story before, I was in, it was, I think maybe my second trip to India, and we were in this hotel, Daniel Plowman and I, we were staying at this hotel that part of it was under construction, and I was, and so they had this plywood up along these walls in a hallway, and, um, and then there was a doorway going into there that some of the workers that were doing the construction could go behind, and the, do, and the sign said, do not enter. And the moment it said that is the moment I wanted to enter back there and see what was going on. I'd like to say I didn't, but I did. <laughs> Paul said, I wouldn't have known covetousness unless I heard, do not covet. And then something in me said, I want to covet. I guess I'm the only person here that's... <laughs> Ever dealt with that. All right, fine. Fine. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, watch this, produced in me all manner of evil desire. So t sin took the opportunity. The commandment is good. The commandment is holy. The commandment is just. But once those do not started coming, man, my flesh started fighting that. Hmm? I started arguing with that. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Jeremiah, can you read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56 through 57? And Nathan, Galatians 3, 24. We'll get to that in just a second. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 57. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. What of sin? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Did you say strength? <laughs> Read it one more time so we can all laugh at you. <clears throat> but thanks be to God, <laughs> which gives us the victory and reading ability through our Lord <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's not that he can't read, it's that he just can't pronounce it. <laughs> this Cajun, this Cajun, that's, that's his Cajun upbringing, so you have to forgive him. Strength, strength, strength. But thanks be to God who gives us, did you see this? What, did you see that what it said? The strength of sin is the law. How is it 
How is it that so many of my brothers out there preaching the gospel get this completely backwards? You preach grace, it's a license to sin. No, no, no. Preaching the law is the license to sin. It's the strength to sin. How did did you get that screwed up? The law is the dunamis. That's what the word for strength is there. Right now, power, ability to act. The strength to sin. The law is the strength to sin. Because it cannot be accomplished through fleshly efforts, but it demands that the flesh obey. It's a lose-lose situation. I'm telling you, this is what has been taken out of the way, my family. This is what has been taken out of the way. Galatians 3, verse 24. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Therefore, the law was our tutor. Now wait, we don't have italics here on the screen. But if you look in your Bible, if you have a Bible there before you, to bring us is in italics. It's italicized. What this really is saying is the law was our tutor until Christ that we might be justified by faith. Because if the law brings us to Christ, then why is the Apostle Paul persecuting the church to no end who said he kept the law blamelessly? Why is he hate the message of Christ? Why is it that the Pharisees, who are the teachers of the law, his greatest hindrance on earth, if it's to bring us to Christ? See, that doesn't make any sense. The law was our tutor until Christ could come. And, and, and th- uh, that we might be justified by what? By faith. Thank God for faith. Matthew 23, 27. Brooke, if you'd bring that up. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. So we see he, he really exposes them here. Matthew 23 is just beautiful. It's just beautiful. I mean, he just lays it on them in this chapter. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. That's all the same person. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. You look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. I was, we had a meeting with our staff on Monday night, and I was telling the story. I can remember Christmas morning, 1977. Anybody alive during that time? None of my staff were, <laughs> except for Heather. Right, honey, we're getting old. We used to be the youngest people in the room. Christmas, 1977, my dad had finished about a year and a half. He was still a student at Christ for the Nations in Dallas, and so we had driven up to Thackerville, Oklahoma, to see all of our family, and we're at my grandmother's house, my mom's mother, and that Christmas morning we got up, and it was time to open presents, and so we were so, so excited. And when we walked in, my brother and I noticed these two huge packages, these big wrapped boxes with our names on them. But we had other presents too, and so Dad told us, when, we, when he saw that we discovered those were ours, he said, you're saving those for last. 
So we painstakingly just had to get through these other presents. I don't even remember what the other presents were. They're probably pretty good, but I had my eye on that big box. Could not wait to get So we tore through those other presents as quickly as we could. And finally, Dad gives us the okay, and man, we go for it. And we start shredding that wrapping paper, and lo and behold, I tear that wrapping paper open where I finally see a picture on the side of the box. Brooke, bring that up. This is what I saw. A big wheel. I mean, I just couldn't believe. Is this real? Am I dreaming? All of my dreams are about to come true right here. Yeah, you see that little blue brake on, on that back tire? Hmm? Pull that while you're going, that thing whew, slide you around like that. Greatest fun ever. So we're like, yeah! So finally, I get over to where the flaps are, the end of the box, and I open that thing up, and to my horror, it's empty! And about that time, I look up at my brother, and he tears into his, empty! And then we hear Dad. <laughs> Start laughing. And at first, I'm like, why is he laughing? What? And then I realized, he's played a joke on us. This isn't funny. Now I'm starting to get mad. And when he sees us going from wonderment to anger, he says, boys, go over to the den. So my grandmother, she had turned her garage into a den, so we ran around the corner and we opened the door, and there they were, fully assembled and ready to ride. And man, I tell you what, when we went back to Dallas, Texas, that little apartment complex on the campus, we were the envy of every kid there, man. It was, it was awesome. This self-righteousness looks pretty, but it offers nothing. It offers nothing. It's emptiness. Because the substance has already come. The substance is Christ. Trying to live right by rules and regulations is your sure path to continual failure. But in Christ, say in Christ, you are a perpetual victor. Thank you, Jesus. Victory over sin is your gift from him. That's what we just read. Thanks be to God who always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The law was against us. It was contrary to us. Verse 15. Having disarmed. Oh, Colossians 2. That's where we are. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Oh, thank you, Lord. So who's this talking about? Who's these, prince, these principalities and powers? Hmm? Nobody knows? The devil and his demons. Remember Ephesians 6 when it talks about the armor of God? For we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. All right, so this is the enemy. All right, now, so he dealt with our sin and death. He dealt with, he dealt with our separation by the law. Isn't this wonderful? Those are both huge enemies of ours, and now he's dealing with this enemy, the devil himself. Principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. Don't you love that? I mean, he whipped them. This, I mean, this is an allusion to the victories um, and spoils and triumphs of the Roman emperors. And um, 
that when they obtained a victory, a triumph was decreed for them by the Senate. And they did this huge parade in, in which the emperor was drawn into an open chariot and the captives being stripped of their armor and their hands tied uh, behind them. They were led before him and exposed to public view and disgrace while the public shouted through the city of Rome and the conqueror had all the marks of honor and respect given to him as their enemies were humbled before all of them. These verses show just how complete the believer is in Christ. You have no need of the philosophy of the Gentiles you, or the ceremonies of the Jews, nor have anything to fear from your enemies. That is sin, the law, and Satan himself. Your sin has been pardoned. Whew, praise God. The law is abolished and the devil is conquered. Now, so as a result of all of that, look what Paul says. Verse 16, so let no one judge you in what? Food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths or Christmas or Halloween. Verse 17, which are a shadow shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Woo, praise God. We got the real deal. Verse 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, Joseph Smith, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by... That's the founder of the Mormon church. All right. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Watch. And not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. You see what he has put us into? He, we are the body of Christ. He's put us here, and God's the one that's bringing the increase. God's one that's growing us together in him. And we're fastened to the head. Now, those who are not holding fast to the head, what they're saying is, I don't need grace, I got rules. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is one who, as John said it, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Next, we're almost through. Therefore, if you died with Christ, how many of you died with Christ? Huh? Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Well, I need to die daily. I'm dead one time. I'm dead with him. I'm dead with him. I'm not, I'm not looking to fight my flesh every day. Because if you think you've got to die daily, guess what? That's all you're going to be focused on. Killing the flesh. Killing the deeds of the flesh. Where's the joy in that? When he died, I died. When he died, I died. Therefore, if you die with Christ, watch, from the basic principles of the world. See, there's some good things. There are some good principles in this world. No doubt. But he says, these don't dictate your righteousness. Hmm? Why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Here we go. Do not touch. Do not taste. Do not handle. Shouldn't do that. Shouldn't do that. Shouldn't do that. Do not touch, do not taste, do not hand. Man, he just got right in the living room of our lives here, didn't he? 
Why do you subject yourselves to regulations? Next. Which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. See, we made up all these rules. There are people calling sin stuff that's sin that's not sin. Now, we do have clear, clear truth from the Scriptures about what sin is and what sin isn't. We do know. I mean, the Scripture tells us. The works of the flesh tells us what sin actually is. But we just, I don't know why that's not enough, but we like to make up a whole bunch more sins. If it's wrong for me, by God, it's wrong for everybody. These are the commandments and doctrines of men. Watch, verse 23. These things indeed, here's why. Here's why. They have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. You know what he's saying? They're not any value against the indulgence of the flesh because you're already indulging in the flesh. Your whole existence is about the flesh. Controlling it. Don't touch that. Don't, don't go there. Don't drink that. Don't do this. Don't do, you see what I'm saying? This is, this is ridiculous. But there are a lot of people who are spinning those plates and trying to keep it all right. Hmm? And, 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 and having an appearance that we're okay. everything's okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay. When their lives are falling to pieces and they're desperate and they're crying out to, for a real taste of freedom. And the longer they live this way, the harder it gets. And the harder it gets, the angrier they get. And the angrier they get, the more they start pointing fingers at others to deal with their own lack. And they spew out what they hate about themselves on other people. And they judge. And they talk down to them. And this is not why we were created. This is not who we are. Christ took it all out of the way. He disarmed every devil. He wiped out that law. And thank you, Lord, that he forgave us all of our sins. My family, you are as free as free can be. And Jesus said, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Amen. All of our focus, all of our attention, all of our faith is in Him. In Him. So let no one judge you. Let no one judge you. Let no one judge you in these things. Hey, listen, remember this. You might not like what somebody's doing, especially if you live in, in their house and if you're married to them. You, I didn't mean that personally. That's not going on in my house. You might not like what's going on and you feel the need to tell them every living moment of their breathing existence. Why, what's wrong and why they need to straighten up, why they need to fix this, why they need to fix that. Listen to me. You cannot do what the Holy Spirit can do. You cannot do a better job than Him. You're going to have to let Him do His work 
And, and a lot of that happens when you... Amen. you got brothers and sisters, and listen to me. Now, I'm not talking about if somebody's in sin. Listen, we, we, we need to hold each other accountable in those ways. We are the body of Christ. We bear each other's burdens, and, and we don't need to be afraid to talk to each other and say, hey, cut that out. Why are you doing that? Get, and help each other out. All right? And if they're bound up in something, we walk right alongside them. We don't just tell them to cut it out and then just leave them to their own destruction. Scripture says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's one of the, it's a beautiful thing, but it's a messy thing. And, and a lot of people just don't want to get messy. They just want to tell people about their mess. I'm not talking about you. At all. This is the, this is the power of the church. This is why we're here. Huh? And we don't leave anyone out. And we certainly don't point our finger at our brothers and sisters. Because the substance is Christ. Let's all say that together. The substance is Christ. Say it again. The substance is Christ. And let the Holy Spirit do what he do. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We, we, we choose tonight to just take a stronger stance in this truth. As Paul said, to stand fast in this liberty because we understand that there are enemies to this liberty. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And they're enticing us with religiosity and what kind of makes sense to our brains but Lord, help us to stand fast in this liberty. Say, no, 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 I'm in Christ. I'm where I need to be. I'm in Him. I'm not going to let myself be regulated by rules, by what other people think, by commandments and doctrines of men, by the principles in this world. No, I'm living by faith in Jesus. And that is the holiest place I can be. That's the highest level of living I can be. I can, I can live. Father, thank you. Lord, there, there are those here that even though they're hearing this tonight, they are struggling in this way. They're struggling in their relationship with you. Lord, when they think of you, when they think about your goodness, when we think about that, a lot of times they're thinking about how they've let you down or how they've wronged you or something's wrong. Father, help them to be free from that tonight. In Jesus' name, that those barriers would come crashing down and that your truth can truly set them free that they'll experience your love, Lord, like, like they've never known it before. Tonight, let me just say this in a simple way. Just let him love you. Just let God love you. Let him teach you because love casts out all fear. Love covers a multitude of sins. And God is love. You could say God casts out all fear. Hmm? God covers a multitude of sins. This is who he is. Let him, let him show you himself in this way. Be free. Be free from a mind that is just plagued over and over again. Just tonight, declare, no, I, in Jesus' name, I'm casting down every argument. I'm bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I will not allow myself to be led around by the nose any longer. I'm going to walk by faith, and I'm going to stand in my faith. Freedom, 
Stand in this liberty by which Christ Jesus has made me free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your spirit from this moment, guiding them into all truth as he's always done, teaching them all things in Jesus' name. Remember this. You, as a child of God, already know God. You know him. You know him. You know him. You know him. You are one spirit with him. You already know God. There are a lot of people out there telling you, well, you need to know God more. You know him as, as much as you can possibly know him. So be confident in that. And all, your prayer life changes when you know that. Your whole prayer life changes. It's, it's not like, well, let's try this, Lord. <laughs> Offer up. Maybe if I say thee and thou, maybe you'll hear me. <sighs> no. He loves you. He loves you. Just turn to somebody and tell them, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And while you're there looking at him, tell him I love you too. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. All right, let's stand together tonight. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, we got through chapter 2. Praise God. We're halfway through. Chapter 2. Thank you, Lord. Tonight, if you're here and you need healing in your body, raise your hand where you are. I'm going to pray for you. Anybody here? All right. All right, keep your hand up because I want others to come minister with you. We're going to lay our hands on these who have their, their hands up because we believe what the Word says. They shall lay hands on the sick, on the infirm, and they shall recover. Anybody believe that? Now, don't just lay hands on them if you're up here going, well, we'll see what the Lord does. No, no, we need believers, people that know how to pray, people that know God, that know that they are healed because Jesus Christ paid for their healing. Amen. All right, let's pray in faith. Amen. Lift up your voices. Come on. Come on, lift up your voices and pray. Pray boldly. Pray in faith. Thank you, Lord. It's the prayer of faith, the Scripture says, that saves the sick. It's the prayer of faith. Lord, we believe tonight. We believe in this moment right now that sickness is leaving. Pain is leaving. Disease is leaving. Infirmity of any kind is leaving these bodies. And we speak now to these bodies and say, you be made whole. In Jesus' name, by His stripes you are healed. He sent His Word and He healed you and He delivered you from your destructions. So we thank you, Lord, for that, for that full deliverance tonight. Full deliverance from this sickness and this pain and allergies or whatever it is they may be fighting. Thank you, Lord, that you give them the victory in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.